Hi there, and welcome to season two of our podcast, Art City Amsterdam. From Rembrandt to Dumas and from Leicester to McQueen, Amsterdam has long been home to some of the world's most important artists. In our podcast, we will provide you a taste of art in this remarkable city. Together with our special guests, we will take you on a walk through the art scene of Amsterdam. We, your host, Nina Volkersma and Rubia Balsam, speak to artists, curators, politicians and collectors about what they love about this city. Whether you're a long-time resident or planning your first visit, this podcast will inspire you to explore new and familiar corners of the Amsterdam art world. So today we invited Emily Pethick, director of the Rijks Academy. And we're delighted to have her as our first guest of this new season of Art City Amsterdam. With a background in curating in London, Emily has also been familiar with the Dutch art scene for quite some years. From 2005 to 2008, she was the director of CASCO, Office for Art, Design and Theory in Utrecht. After that, she returned to London, where she spent 10 years as the director of The Showroom, a contemporary art space in London, focused on collaborative approaches to cultural production within its locality and beyond. In September 2018, Emily returned to the Netherlands to become the director of the Rijks Academy, one of the most important post-academic residencies for artists from all over the world. She was also one of the researchers commissioned by the Stedelijk Museum Amsterdam to investigate a new art institution to succeed the closing in 2016 of the SMBA, the Stedelijk Museum Bureau Amsterdam, the temporary art space of the Stedelijk. Emily, thank you for having us. Um, you are well known for your position as a curator and director of several institutions, but as I understood, you started off your career as an artist. Could you tell us a bit more about this period and how it influenced your current position? Um, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. It's very nice to, to be here with you both. Um, yeah, I went to art school in the mid to late 90s, and I think having that as a foundation for going on to be a curator and then director, uh, I guess, gave me a base from which to depart in terms of thinking from the perspective of artists and having a kind of, yeah, understanding of what it feels like to make and to show art. But who were your uh, models back then as artists? Yeah, I mean, it was a very particular moment in, uh, let's say, the British uh, scene. It was the YBA moment. So art became um, much more visible. The media really picked up on the artist figures of the moment. Um, and I think that that, in a way, set me on a path to look for other models because I felt that that was a very kind of... Um, I mean, it was a moment of Britpop as well and kind of... <laughs> Art became very popular. Yeah, no, it did become much. And that was good. <clears throat> I think a lot of great things came out of that because it opened up the field and it gave a lot of space, a lot of interest, built huge audiences. I studied um, curating just at the moment before Tate Modern was launched. So, yeah, I think it was a really interesting moment to have witnessed this kind of art boom in the UK and how that kind of captured a kind of public imagination in a different way to what it had been before. And could you tell us perhaps a little bit more where you came from? Did you come from a background of family working within the arts or there were artists or 
How did you get inspired within your childhood? No, actually, um, I mean, my family are uh, interested in art, but not artists. Um, but it was the thing that I was always uh, <laughs> doing and good at. So I was encouraged by my family. But it, yeah, I didn't have any people close to me as examples, you know, of what, and I think that, um, I mean, there's one thing being an, good at art, let's say, and there's another thing going into the art professionally, being a professional artist. And I think that's where, at a certain point, when I left art school, and that kind of question of how you survive as an artist in London in particular, was, yeah, I think that changed my trajectory because up until then I'd always had a kind of artist identity and then making a surviving from being an artist was a really entirely different thing and that actually that kind of did also I think I'm still working with some of the questions which arose for me then about how do artists live and I think that's something that yeah is very relevant here at the Rikes Academy you know like there's one thing having a group of artists in residence but it's also really important that those artists can go out into the world with sustainable uh, practices and be supported. And then you started uh, making exhibitions together with your uh, contemporary artist uh, and well, that, curating. Did you have models uh, as uh, curatorial models? Well actually I think it was a nice moment when I was at the Royal College doing the MA curating. Mm -hmm. And that was a time actually when there was a transition also happening where artists could be curators and the artist curator was getting recognised and that's also, I think, what sent me along that trajectory thinking, okay, you can kind of have a different kind of practice in relation to art. Um, and so I think the art world was opening up a bit at that point, although there's always been artists, curators and different ideas of and models of being an artist but certainly um, I mean it was an interesting moment as well when uh, there was a kind of um, the figure of the curator mm -hmm. kind of became more prominent and in a way when I was going into curating I was thinking I was sort of stepping behind the scenes <laughs> and then the, the the curator became the sort of front person so uh, that strategy didn't work, but it was an yeah, it was an interesting moment where there was a lot of energy in a way. As a as a curator, you're always kind of also mediating between the position of the artist and different audiences, different uh, groups of people. But now, as a director of a bigger institution, do you miss being a curator? Do you feel that you are more separated from this kind of mediating role? A lot of mediating. <laughs> But um, actually, I think it's nice to have a different relation to artists. Um, I mean, as director, I'm not working with the artists that closely. Um, but you do um, follow their paths, let's say, their trajectories in this two-year period, which is a very intense period, and there's amazing kind of... Uh, development takes place in that time you see artists really kind of flourishing and in their practices they um they really grow and I think having a community I mean I would say I'm not really let's say active in a 
curatorial role here, but there's, you know, like a, a community is formed each year through a jury process, and that's a very interesting process where there's a lot of discussion um, about art and art practice and what's relevant now. Maybe it's a good moment also for our listeners to introduce the Rijksacademy, because a lot of them might not know the institution itself. Um, because it's renowned as an international art institution, uh, and the list of world famous alumni is quite long. You know, Karel Appel, Piet Mondrian, Breitner, all went here to school. And the past 30 years, Thomas de Man, Christ Christina Luca, uh, Hans op de Beek, uh, Melanie Bonanja also. Could you describe to our listeners not working within the arts what the Rijksacademie is and what it actually does? Yeah, so the Academy is a residency program for artists. It's post-academic, so in the Netherlands, that's quite unique to the Netherlands. It's um, beyond a uh, post-MA level, um, so the artists that come are early professional and generally sort of between sort of late 20s and mid 30s. Artists stay for two years and they have a studio, there's... Uh, a lot of facilities that they can take advantage of, which are workshops with technical specialists, which range from wood, metal, ceramics, paint plastics to audiovisual and uh, social practice now. That's a new workshop that we've added. Yeah, so the artists kind of have this two years. There's, a, there's also a lot of artistic advisors um, that come and have studio visits and dialogue with the artists. So there's an opportunity to, to explore, expand your practice, expand your horizons, experiment. And also I think what's important is this two years where you have support. We have support for living as well. That you can kind of step out of the pressure cooker that, that artists are in, in this kind of early career period where they're you know, often having to take every opportunity to make or show their work and uh, under quite a lot of pressure financially also so this gives a kind of period of stability to just make your work and develop it and also make relationships with other artists the community is very international so we have up to 50 artists in residence and the artists are half coming from the Netherlands and half coming from all over the world so the Rijks Academy has uh, a long history of having a very kind of global um, artistic community here. Artists who come to the Reichs Academy, not only can you see them in, you know, biennials and institutions and exhibitions all over the place, the galleries, but also they're active in teaching, they're active in, um, in building independent spaces, all sorts of things. So it's a kind of, you know, the, let's say the resonance of what happens here reaches very wide, I think. Do you have like any statistics on um, the influence of the Rijks Academy? I would say on the, the art market. So, how many percentage of the, the artists who have been in residency here are being represented by top gallery, perhaps in that sense? Ah, well, I don't have statistics to hand. <laughs> but I think, I mean, if you look at, for example, the galleries in the Netherlands, a lot of them work with artists that have been to the Rijks Academy, and I think that there's a very, yeah, strong imprint. You, we have a lot of uh, we're logging what artists do after coming here. And if you look at the collections in the Netherlands and the galleries, who's teaching in the art schools, you know, there's very strong influence. And I think it does bring a kind of internationalism to the Netherlands. Um, do you know how many of these artists actually stay in Amsterdam or do they 
has that changed? Actually, a lot of the artists want to stay. I think sometimes it's difficult for them to stay because of the cost of living here, the you know getting your your um, residency studio. permits and getting a studio, getting a place to live. Sometimes it's really hard for artists to just find a place to live, let alone a studio, and you know to find the the cost of living is high. So. That's something that I think is a really important uh, political issue right now, is to make sure that artists can live here. What is the reason for them just uh, wanting to stay in Amsterdam? What makes it? Uh... I think when artists have been here for two years and they have a you know close group of friends, um, I think it becomes a home. You know, after two years, and I think it's also once you've left where you've come from. Sometimes it's difficult to go back. Some artists really do go back, but others want to kind of have built something here and, you know, they've got settled. And, and do you think that Amsterdam is a, is a nice kind of breeding ground, institution-wise, nice... for contemporary art and artists to stay here? Yeah, I think it's a nice, it's a good environment because it's, um, you know, in Amsterdam you do have, ev you have everything. <laughs> well, not everything, but, you know, you have, you know, museum like the Stedelijk, you have the kind of s sort of medium, small to medium scale uh, art spaces like um, the Apple and Frame of Framed, you know, Eye Museum. So I do think it's an important moment to, to recognize the value of what's here and what's possible here as well. I do think Amsterdam's changed. London obviously is much bigger. <laughs> There's many more arts venues um, of different scales. There's a lot of art schools, so there's a lot, there's a big kind of young artist population always coming up. And there's some very major galleries, commercial galleries, so that has a big influence. And there is a bigger kind of art market, collectors, philanthropists, you know, like it's, so yeah, I think there's, the funding for, let's say, publicly funded spaces is much lower. It's most kind of contemporary art organisations receive here. So if you're running a, a space in London, you have to fight a little bit harder to keep afloat, let's say. <laughs> so, for example, at the showroom, we were having to raise two thirds of our annual turnover beyond our Arts Council funding, and that's pretty normal for most organisations. So there's a slightly different economy and a higher level of precarity. And I would say it's interesting that I never quite understood how artists survive in London, but they do. And it's the same here, you know, artists always find a way, but it's not easy and there's a lot of stress, I think. And I do think that the level of stress could be lower. Yeah, there has been, there is a, a discussion going on for a couple of years now in the Netherlands for kind of a fair practice for artists, artists getting paid for showing their works in exhibitions, for, is there a similar... Um... Yeah, there was a big discussion about artist pay and a lot of research. And I think the Arts Council started to be... Um, a bit more strict about making sure that artists were including fees in their budgets visibly. So that was a way to make sure that um, artists were being paid, which I thought was uh, good. But besides uh, the payment, are there solutions perhaps from your side that you can contribute to the field to make the struggle less hard for the artists? I can't say I've got solutions, but I think it's important to keep raising consciousness and to push, you know, for, for 
um, funders to think from the position of artists as well as from institutions. And I mean, really, there needs to be more funding. <laughs> that would solve a lot of problems of fair practice, because fair practice is also not just about artists, it's also about freelancers, and it's also about institutions being able to give good working conditions. Besides, I would say, public funding, you're probably talking also about private funding. In comparison to London, what do you think about our entrepreneurial side of the art sector? Is this something we can you know, uh, evolve a little bit more? Because I think in that respect, if I look at a lot of art institutions, um, they're still quite dependent of public funding. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that going back to when we were talking about this early phase and the, you know, there was a kind of boom in the, U in the UK and London in particular, where I guess it came also with the wider interest in art, you know, more kind of, um, there was more support through that from kind of private sources, through private individuals, through um, companies. And I think these, um, let's say, development uh, departments of institutions grew more ambitious mm -hmm. and very clever actually with finding ways to kind of make the links. I mean, there's, I've witnessed all sorts of creative <laughs> fundraising kind of initiatives. Um, so I think more kind of togetherness, <laughs> you know, like mutual support and recognizing that an ecosystem is something that everybody has to build. And that's what you're doing with Amsterdam Art in a way, you know, like uh, to work together. I think that's where more support can be given to the kind of smaller scale players. But also I think, yeah, there was a moment where there was a kind of lot of ambition and in a funny way, competition. <laughs> competition, you know, like seeing other, uh, you know, peer organisations achieving yeah, certain yeah. things and thinking, oh gosh, we've got to do that. And, you know, like there was a kind of moment where, but I have to say, it, you know, like it's, it's tough. We all had to fight quite hard. And also think, you know, within times of, uh, you know, the pandemic, you, you've been talking about the value of art as well. You probably have listened to all the diff different kind of conversations been going on about the ministries who had their own, I would say, perspective on the arts, as in, why not put it on a CD at home? <laughs> <laughs> so there's, you know, like, there's a belief of the power of the arts to transform lives, you know, mm. in, in the better sense of the word. But here in the Netherlands, there's also the conversation going on the fact that it's been undervalued instead of going to museums. Yeah, well, actually, the interesting thing I think about um, the arts is it does bring people together and it creates exchange, it creates community. I mean, a lot of um, when I was working more in, let's say, public spaces is, I think the inspiring thing was about how you can build communities around organizations and that can happen on all scales. For example, you were talking about the Blick openers the other day and, well, I think art has opened up as well. So you don't necessarily have to go to a museum now to, to have an encounter with art. I mean, it can be happening on your street or, you know, like in a, in a, in all sorts of spaces. Ah, yes, the Blick Openers, we've been talking about this in regards to communities uh, I like. There are, uh, for those who actually who don't know the Blick Openers are, there are uh, young Amsterdam residents, uh, somewhere in the age between 15 and 19, I think. And they have been engaged in broadening the minds of the staff and, and visitors of the Stedelijk Museum. They're just like, 
peer educators in the arts for their generation? Um, yeah, so let's go back to the to the Rijks Academy. Mm -hmm. So once a year, you also have the uh, open studio, so the the public, the audience can see what the residents have made. What are your plans for the upcoming edition, which will be in two weeks, coinciding with the Amsterdam Art Week? And um, how, in what ways does your approach to the open studios differ maybe from your uh, predecessors? I think we carried on the similar format of open studios because it works in a very nice way. I mean, there's a sort of um, opening up. Uh, it's a very celebratory moment. It's changed the name back to open studios as a recognition of that, um, that it's part of a process. And that, um, but I think one thing that's really important is that every artist approaches it in a way that they feel comfortable, and what when they in a way that they get something out of it. And for the coming years, um, what are you looking forward to? New initiatives that are getting started at the moment. Um, we launched our social practice workshop last year, and that's been Elka Agilist has been developing new relationships, for example, with Boost, um, which is an organisation that supports people who've arrived in the Netherlands on asylum or um, helps people integrate. Frame Framed is a partner that we're collaborating with also on the social practice workshop. We have a new tech fellows scheme, which is having three technical training, technical specialists in the workshops. And that's been, we have our first three at the moment, and that's introduced a nice kind of fresh perspective. Uh, for example, one of the things that it has brought in is a discussion which is was already going here about sustainability and materials and environmental concerns. But these initiatives, they're actually being set up by the artists. In residency so I think one of the things that's really um, nice about the Rikes Academy is you have this constant turnover of new input from the artistic community, which changes every year. And each year that brings in a new perspective. Um, and so in a way, our role in terms of, let's say, keeping renewal institutionally is to kind of stay in tune with the needs of the artists and keep responding to that and, and kind of refreshing what we do. You know, we have a number of artists in residence also who are working with art and technology is this tech fellowship, can you elaborate a little bit? So what is the tech fellowship exactly? Is it more towards a kind of new digital techniques or also more kind of crafts? Uh, it's actually both. Um, so the three uh, that we have at the moment, there's um, two working in our mediaship, one who's more specialised in, in sound um, and the other one's working on photography and trying to develop um, uh, more environmentally friendly photographic development processes and then there's one working in ceramics and then the next round we're seeking uh, tech fellows who can work in other workshops so it's a kind of yeah way to bring new perspectives into the kind of making technical side of things here and to have exchange so they're training with our technical specialists but at the same time bringing new inputs and also in regards to I would say technology um, you've been also in the Venice Biennial, like the both of us. We also noticed the fact that there's, I would say that, a certain kind of uh, a lack of uh, new experiment on that, on, on these kind of fields, you know, with technology within the arts. How come? Do you have an explanation perhaps for that, or do you have an idea? Um, I think it's 
it's very present uh, technology you know like there's a huge sort of boom in a way in the art technology kind of intersection but it's happening in a way that's difficult to be embraced in this type of exhibition you know like in a conventional exhibition so I think one of the things yeah that's interesting at the moment is like on the one side you know like the value of these big exhibitions and more conventional formats is of course still there but there's also many other ways to encounter art um, and there's many places where art is kind of situated you know it's not just in galleries what do you think about the NFT world? Is this something within the residency program um, you you focus on as well as in, in one of the projects? Is this something you discuss with the artist? Is this something that's being discussed by the artist? I think that I haven't picked up on a huge NFT <laughs> interest in production in-house, let's say. <laughs> But I was very interested in a talk that we had by Leonardo de la Noche, who was showing the good and bad of NFTs. And I think there is actually really interesting things that are happening in the social sphere with NFTs, with the kind of DAOs and ways in which uh, people can connect and uh, different economic kind of models can be developed that does interest me also in relation to artists and sustainability. Is it something, something for in the future to be uh, added a bit more to the, to the program of the residency? Or? I think the, way, the sort of way in which, let's say, NFTs are being talked about is one small part of it. And there's many other ways to think about how those can be, that technology can be used creatively. Yeah, and also I think there, in a sense in the art markets, there's still some kind of, um, not specifically in the art market, but much more in the conventional institutions, there's some kind of fear of technology, NFT. So just to my opinion, that still feels like they um, keep it outside their walls. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a bit of an overinvestment in it as art. Yeah, as yet, I haven't seen anything that I really felt excited about as art. But... I do think there's some potential with the technology as a tool for artists and institutions to find other ways to build sustainable economies and different kind of uh, forms of interaction. But it's interesting because I, I do think it's, for now, it's really very much uh, kind of connected to the market as a commercial uh, value, more kind of speculative mm. value, and it's th there's the artistic value hasn't really been no. developed. But it's interesting that you say, actually, to look at it also as an economical possibility for artists. Mm. Uh, yeah. 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 So one of the things also we would like to uh, discuss is the fact that you've been part of the committee of the Stedelijk Museum that investigated the possibility of a new art institution to succeed of the SMBA. Um, if you look at the cultural infrastructure of Amsterdam today, is it lacking any important players, ingredients, um, institutions, perhaps dialogues? Hmm, good question. I think, I think that could be more for early career artists. Um, and yeah, I think there are a lot of artists who are, could have more opportunities. It would be an important next development let's say i mean that's what was the point of that research that the, the state commissioned at the time and i think 
at the time it was also about what kind of model of new inst- what what kind of model of new institution do we need you know like what's um, what does if you think about following let's say art practice that research was quite a few years ago now so but I think uh, at least we're on a momentum I would say within times uh, pandemics uh, climate change hashtag me too female position of the artist there are so many uh, social, I would say, objectives. Is it something you integrate within your practice here as well? Is it the Rijks Academy? Is it something you discuss with your artists? Well, I think um, art is a is in itself a let's say dialogical <laughs> practice and space. So a lot of these things come up through the practices, and that's actually a way to process and reflect and share. You know, like. Uh, what's going on in the world. And I think you see that, you know, we have the open studios coming up. All of these questions will be embedded in different practices in different ways. And that is in a way, the way in which I think if you go back to that moment where there were a lot of, let's say institutional statements being made, but I think you have to work on these matters in a way that's where your strengths are and is in tune, let's say, with what you do. So, for example, the artists here, you know, can address these things in their practices. And that's the most powerful way, I think, to share these discussions. And of course, as institutions, we have to, you know, like recognize changing times and change our structures and listen and learn. And of course, all of these movements pointed out things that institutions have ignored, let's say to different degrees. I mean, so that was a moment, I think, where there was a kind of wake-up call. Okay, um, so what would Emily do if you needed a break and wanted to disappear from the world a bit for a few hours? <laughs> where would you go? Um, well, I, I like walking and I quite often walk down the Amstel River out of the city also with friends. Um, so that's my way of shaking off a work day or week. <laughs> I also like going out to the sea. Um, so yeah, I also in the summer, I swim a lot in the rivers and lakes and uh, yeah, do the wild swimming. So that's my, yeah, that's my escape route. And is there something, uh, a specific spot within Amsterdam uh, or nearest I would alongside the Emsel River that you find particularly very beautiful or you just hang around yeah, a little bit longer, you linger a little longer. I walk out from the Beast Poseida and then go right out, uh, sort Along of opposite the Amsel Park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And what kind of cultural institutions or events in the city do you like to uh, visit? Well, it's a difficult one when there haven't been a lot of cultural events. But I mean, I enjoy going to, um, well, the programs of the contemporary art institutions, be that um, Frame a Friend and Apple or Stedelijk or um, Ro Roses a Rose, um, the galleries, Eye um, Museum has nice exhibitions, um, Amsterdam Museum has good programs, um, what's that one called, Wrong Wrong, there's quite a lot of, you know, smaller initiatives that I like, um, but I, yeah, haven't uh, 
explored as much as I would like to. Ah, you mean like uh, music and concerts as in Paradiso? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have yeah. been to Paradiso. But any particular shows you're looking forward to? Is there something like an exhibition coming up the, the coming years? You just like put it on your agenda already, just marked? Yeah, actually, well, a friend of mine's uh, Aisha Hamid, an artist that I've worked with for many years, is uh, opening at Kunst Institute Mali next week. I mean, it was fantastic to get out to Venice and see a lot of things. And I think there's, I'm looking forward to, in a way, the international events such as Documenta and Berlin Biennial and others, Istanbul, Manifesto. to Manifesto and Pristina, yeah, to get a bit more of a barometer on, or, you know, the, take the temperature, let's say, of art in a broader way. And of course, our open studios. I'm very excited about what the artists will be yeah, doing here. Me too. Um, yeah. yeah, So that's our main focus you, at the moment. And 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 um, do you have any favorite restaurants in the city, or do you like to cook? Do you like food? <laughs> I love food, but I don't uh, do a lot of cooking myself. Um, uh, well, actually, being here, I've enjoyed uh, Indonesian food because that's not something you get as much in London. Um, I miss curry, the, the, the British uh, curry. Uh, we have actually the favourite place really is here at the Rikes Academy. We have an amazing cantina um, and they are very creative with food, surprising us with new dishes. Um, and it's a really great team of cooks and quite, yeah, sometimes also artists get involved in the cooking. Um, I think it's something very, yeah, central, let's say, within the community. We also have an artist and this Dong Hwan Kam, who built a kitchen as a sort of shared space over the last years. He's finished now, and then the kitchen went to Boost and Frame a Framed. Hey, and also talking about um, the arts here in Amsterdam, is there a lesser-known art space that people should absolutely not miss when they visit Amsterdam? Because you've mentioned already quite a few yeah, spaces, a few, but which yeah. one... Would you like, or are you curious about maybe that you haven't visited yet yourself, but that you would like to uh, discover? Yeah, sorry, I can't. I think um, in terms of let's say if you were coming afresh to Amsterdam without a knowledge of the field, then I think getting out to the outskirts is a good thing to do. You know, and there are a lot of artist initiatives um, that need a bit more insider knowledge. Uh, I will bring you one, uh, yeah. one day to Oscom. Yeah, exactly. I would love to visit Oscom. Yeah, because I think that is what has happened to Amsterdam in the past 10 years, that it's really kind of spread out into the, the, to the edges of the city in the, in the different districts, and there is more and more initiatives there mm. and also kind of new audiences yeah. that are uh, kind of getting involved in the arts. Yeah. yeah. And I think Oscom is a, is a fantastic example. Yeah, I'm going to take you for a walk okay, around nice. the Rikes Academy to give you a feel of our environment. In the labyrinth of the Rikes Academy, the building is... Can you tell us something about the history of the building? Yeah, so it was developed in the early 90s um, by the former director Jan Willem Schrover and the architect Kuhn van Belsen. Um, and it's a former um, cavalry caserna. That was so there were actual horses in yeah. the building. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Disturb. <laughs> uh, 
in the outside you can see um, there's a fitness area that was set up by one of the artists, um, which they do a workout every day. It's, is it still? They yes. still do it. Yeah, yeah, so that started in the lockdown. Yeah, so we're walking around now in the part of the Rijks Academy where used to be the stables or maybe the... Um, it was yeah. the where the horses kind oh, of exercise. Ah, hello. Oh, hi there. We're doing a um, podcast for Amsterdam Art. Oh, wow. um, so, so we're bumping into one of the residents here. Um, what, is, what is your name? Saras. Ratu Saraswati. And what kind of uh, um, project are you working on at the moment? I'm working on... Mm, performances, social practice, photography, storytellings, and making books too. It all comes together with the project of two and a half years. Okay, and are you, are you already ready for the open studios, uh, I was saying? Yes, <laughs> yes, it's getting there, very close. <laughs> Can we have a small peek? Yeah, but it's, uh, the artwork is still in the workshop, because we are building here. Ah, okay. So, yeah, so... This will be this card. This one is for free and it's going to be here. This is a story about a fig tree in the neighborhood where people can take the figs. So this is a postcard I made from the exact tree in Alexander Cut. Oh, fig tree. Here and then people can take the fig. <laughs> yeah, which is, I have a fictional story of the real encounters and a book of a collection of parables that I will produce, that there will be a resale printed edition of 200 of the stories in, that I collected in the neighborhood during my stay here. So you have actually been walking around the neighborhood of the Dax Academy. Exactly, ah. and there is why I have a lot of these pictures of the neighbors' flowers in their Gepeltan where I will put it like here. This, uh, this is the picture that I also uh, put in the mailbox with cards. With, not with the cards, with letters. Okay. And that makes me know, getting to know them better. So through their own, I would say their um, ecosystems, you get to know the, the, the I would say the Dutch, the Dutch Amsterdammer. Yes, which I think it is uh, not easy at the beginning because it was during the pandemic and people, I sense that people are quite private here and that top of the pandemic then how to get to know people, how to build this conversation. And I started with something that I see beautiful in the neighborhood, but then this leads me to a lot of stories, layers of histories of who plants these flowers, where is these flowers come from? and what, what builds this land. Okay, well, thank you very much for having a small peek into your studio and we are looking forward to uh, the Open Studios and have a look at your full exhibition here. Yes, great, yeah. But Annalise is working with jokes and... Uh... Yeah, yeah uh, my work's about jokes. Um, I made a ceiling that drips. That's great. <laughs> it's leaking. It's leaking, yeah. Smoke it's coming out running the first full test today. Oh, to see yeah. how the leaks go, yeah. yeah. Ah. And um, the boots that smoke. <laughs> There's smoke coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's starting now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you came at a good time. I feel like everybody's 
almost at presentation stage now. <laughs> it's a good time to come and look. <laughs> oh, and the next dripping cycle just started. <laughs> so you are first, this is your first year? Yeah, this is my first year. Here? Yeah, okay. yeah. And where did you, what did you do before you came here and why did you want to come here? Um, so I'm originally from the US, uh, but I've been living in Berlin for the past seven years. Um, and I've been uh, kind of uh, outside of the institution for quite a while. I finished my master's in 2014. Um, so it felt like it was time again <laughs> to, uh, to be in a space with a you know, big cohort of other artists and to get some more you know, kind of community feedback. Um, and uh, yeah, the Reichsakademie was always on my radar, so I thought it was time to apply. Um, and yeah, it's been really amazing, really helpful. It's like such a great group of artists. I was wondering, do you bump into Emily uh, now and then? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> she works here. <laughs> we see each other all the time. Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, we have like communal lunch and dinner in the canteen, so you know, every day you see everybody and say hi at lunchtime. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time and uh, good luck with the preparations up to the, yeah. of the studios. We will definitely be there. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. Maybe um, there is an artist that you um, that you follow or that um, that you think that we should follow or that we should be interested in. Is there an artist that you could mention uh, in Amsterdam? In Amsterdam. Um, yes, well, lots. I think um, I'll avoid singling out Reichs alumni. <laughs> But there's plenty of those who I, you know, once they finish, it's actually really wonderful to keep in touch and keep the dialogue with the artists who've been in residence. Um, but also we have, well, we have a lot of, um, we have local advisors. Um, and yeah, one artist who I think is important is Ansuya Blom, who's been uh, working with the Rikes Academy for many years and recently um, was awarded the Heineken Award and has had some yeah, nice exhibitions recently, also in some of the smaller art spaces, such as Casco and Utrecht and Club Solo in Breda. I was also thinking, we had a talk with Joe Bear and Ansuya actually together a couple of years ago, and Joe Bear is also a, an important uh, artistic figure in the city that some, I think maybe some people don't realize she's here. But um, let's say an artist ecosystem, it's important to uh, have these older, you know, different generations and intergenerational kind of perspective. And so those two are important to me. So Emily, one final, final question. <laughs> Who should we absolutely interview for our next season of Art City Amsterdam? Uh, I was thinking it'd be good for you to uh, have an artist perspective. Um, and I was thinking of one of our alumni, Gert-Jan Kocken, who's done a a lot of intensive mapping of the city. So I was thinking he could be someone that could um, give a different perspective. That's really interesting. Yeah, he's kind of diving into the deeper hidden histories of the city as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, the layers, yeah. yeah. So Emily, thank you for having us. Thank you also for guiding us through the Rijks Academy. And um, maybe for our listeners, when will be the open studios? Can you mention the dates again? Yeah, so we're open to the public on the 14th of May, 14th and 15th, and then also from the 19th to the 22nd, so it's two weekends. Yeah.
Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our podcast. We thank the Jazz Orchestra of the Concertgebouw of Amsterdam for our podcast tune, Blues for the Date, by Peter Bates. Please check out the rest of their amazing album, Blues for the Date. Art City Amsterdam Season 2 is produced by Studio Balsam and Amsterdam Art. We are your hosts, Rubia Balsam and Nina Volkersma. See you in Amsterdam! Amsterdam.